0: One night in 1971 on a lonely North Carolina highway, a head-on car crash cost a young driver his family and very nearly his life. His doctors were sure he would never move again, but he triumphed over his disability and went on to become the wildest hero of all. Because he's real. Stanley presents The Human Fly. the comic book time machine presents marvel's cosmic comics exploring marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the star wars period episode 73 silver charity sudden death human fly issue 11 covered 8 july 1978 Hello, once again, time travelers, it's me, Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here to talk about some Marvel sci-fi comics, this one being, uh, part of the Marvel sci-fi, uh, licensed books because it was licensed from a guy who was actually a real guy, and this issue is issue number 11, and, well, man, (laughs) where, where to start, um... Let's start at the beginning. Um, first of all, the uh, continuing the idea that I started with Godzilla of listening to soundtracks while I read the comic. Uh, the, the idea not just being the soundtrack, but listening to Michael Giacino. Giacino, Giacino. Again, not saying it right. Not saying it with confidence. Sorry, Daniel Butcher. My, he's my co-host from Welcome to Level 7. He just says, you know, if you don't know how to say something, just say it with confidence. Keep moving forward. I can't just do it. I can't. But uh, I was listening to another Giacino, uh soundtrack uh, for The Human Fly. I wanted to figure out what would be a good one. And I came up with the idea to listen to Speed Racer, the Speed Racer soundtrack. And, and you know, the soundtrack's good. Listening to it while reading The Human Fly wasn't bad. It wasn't perfect. It didn't elevate the story to something else. It already was something onto itself. Uh, and I probably won't replicate it next time to read i read a human fly comic i probably won't be listening to the soundtrack to speed racer but um i I will be replicating that next time around for godzilla i'll be listening to that cloverfield soundtrack it is perfect anyway uh, this one is not bad now i listened to the soundtrack as i was reading through a second time for this recording the first time i read this issue was actually while i was on vacation in canada and that's uh, an interesting element here because well Human fly was a real guy. Uh, The cover says it, the wildest superhero ever, because he's real. I know he's a real guy because I've seen pictures and now I've seen video of him appearing on talk shows, local news talk shows. And I have to say it, it was interesting doing the research for this episode. And I, when I say research, I mean research for this segment, for this comic book, this issue of the human fly. I had to just go into it and just just dive in to this research here and find out what in the world was going on. Why? Well, we'll get into it. We will, I promise, get into it. But like I said, uh, he, his name was Rick Rojat, and he was from Montreal. And so, you know, Canadian stuntman here is th- on the cover. We have him falling off of a bike as the bike flies over some school buses and people are acting like something's going wrong well and it says this issue a true to life account of the near tragedy at montreal legends die hard it says on the cover and we're going to find out just how hard it is for legends to die inside i'm not telling you what's going to happen who it's going to happen to but someone does not survive this issue someone does not survive we'll get to it We'll get to it. Anyway, looking back at the last issue, um, they had a blurb, and it said this. Uh, This is from issue 10, talking about issue 9. It says, As we said somewhere, probably last issue, but you know how our memories are, this issue of Human Fly would contain some exciting announcements about our very real superhero. Now, the announcements that they're about to give that I'm about to read actually end up being announcements about this issue, (laughs) but the announcements go like this. First, again, quoting from the, the blurb, First, on October 7th, 1977, the fly attempted to set a world's record by rocket cycle leaping over 26 consecutive school buses. In a comics first, we'll be bringing you that story taken from real life right here in this mag next month. Secondly, also in human fly number 11, the human fly himself will be making a startling announcement of his own. That's right. We don't want to give it away, but the man himself will be giving you a hint about his own plans for the future on the very last page of our very next issue. Thirdly, but not least, we've actually begun work on a photo feature to be printed here in just a few months. Not only does it feature the fly himself, but also his assistant and those zoological wonders that inhabit the Marvel bullpen. So stick with us, pilgrims. The very best is yet to come. Now that photo thing, I don't know if it's going to come or not, but it's not in this issue and that sidekick that they're talking about the assistant i guess is, he's actually another stunt man who dresses up as a hero he's not masked uh human fly never revealed his identity while he was going around as the human fly in fact some people think he might have actually been more than one person who was doing this or the human fly would be going around in the costume but there was someone else doing the stunts and that kind of thing mercury was a guy who trained with the human fly to do stunt work But he didn't wear a mask at all, and I actually saw him. Like I said, I was doing some research, and I saw Mercury in a talk show with the human fly. Anyway, looking at this, that's a lot of hyperbole, but I have read the issue, and they live up to the hype. They live up to the letter of the hype, anyway, if not the spirit of the hype. So now, okay, this issue. Where do I start? Uh, I guess... This this comic itself it, it's an odd it's an odd thing it's an odd an odd duck I guess it really does have the story the real story of human flies jump in Montreal and you know coming into this I already knew he had failed at this stunt this was something that in my early uh, not research but my early preparation to read the human fly I, I found some articles about this jump and I'm gonna read from one of those articles that I found early on. It's a very interesting article and uh, the link I'll, I'll give it when we get to it. But um, <laughs> how would they approach it was the question. How would they approach this real life event in the context of a comic book where he just teamed up with Daredevil. I could not have been more surprised with this comic. And it's it's a delightful surprise. It's an audacious story that they tell. Uh Not in the best way uh, that you define the word necessarily, but um, it's (laughs) it's it's cheese, it's cheese, it's kitsch this comic. I don't know who this was meant for. I don't know what they were really trying to do. I, I feel like uh, Bill Mantlo was kind of just stuck in a corner. You know, let's go ahead. Well, we'll get to the credits in a moment here. But uh, I feel like Bill Mantlo, Mantlo was stuck in a corner. He had to do this story about the jump in Montreal, but then also this other announcement that they're making. Uh, OK, so let's just start. Let's just get into it. The opening splash page has an emotional fly. I mean, you can tell just by his body language. He is a down and a down depressed man and he's sitting on a sofa playing the guitar Uh, it's it's a splash page and as far as splash pages go it's not the most um interesting it's not the most action-packed but it sets the emotional tone for where the fly is and he's in a dark dark place as the the caption boxes tell us (laughs) you are looking at a man whose soul is in torment a man whose reach exceeded his grasp a man who failed but a man who is, after all, just a man like any other. His name, well, we call him the Human Fly. And then the credits, the credits box tells us a startling new development in the life of the human fly. And that gives us the credits. Bill Mantlow, writer, Lee Elias, Penciler, Mike Esposito, Inker, Irv Wadnati, Letters, G. Russis, colors, and Archie Goodwin, editor. And you know, the truth is, this is a very momentous issue. There, this is a turning point issue. This is a turning point in a character uh, who is going through a personal crisis, uh, a character who is going through a career crisis as well. There, I mean, there's actually some development for the characters, and they they make actions that that changes the course of their life, and it actually, in some ways, changes the course of you know what is one character going to be doing next issue you know this is not something that you would do in a you know week to week to week uh you know hour-long prime time drama adventure show like knight rider or the Hum uh, the a-team unless you were doing it at the beginning of the season or the end of a, of a season but they they change they change people's lives in this comic now people reading this comic may not change their lives uh, they meant to do a story that was going to, you know, cause you to think and cause you to maybe even change. But I, honestly, I, I find myself thinking more about that Godzilla comic, which wasn't intending me to think the way I was thinking, than this. The inspiration that you're supposed to find in this comic, well, you know what? It's so hamfisted. It's so, and and then it just gets so. I don't want to give away too much more about the ending human fly is depressed he's brooding he's playing his guitar and it's all because of that accident in montreal and his team is worried about him and they flash back to his team up with daredevil and white tiger and then they flash back to rolling into montreal uh where harmony white confronts human fly but she's thinking i don't know how they're able to flash back about her thoughts but in their flashback about her where they're not happy with her because she's pushing herself on human fly as a reporter who is antagonistic to him. She also is saying, I have to do it because my boss will fire me if if I don't. So yeah, people, someone else's thoughts in, in someone's flashback, eh, it's comics. They're trying to set things up, but then we go into the dramatic stunt and the failure and he crashes into a bus and he, and now, now he has, physically healed but he is not mentally healed he is not emotionally healed and as the caption box tells us he'd embodied the hopes of so many to millions handicapped hurt and helpless he'd offered hope a second chance and now he himself had failed and so basically he has you know he's he's been standing tall and now he's failed and he feels like he is a fraud, uh, you know, who is who offered hope to people when you know what he failed. So what hope is there? Um, And I could see in real life this actually being something that you would deal with when he, you know, this was a big deal. This jump. Now, I want to talk about that. That article I was telling you about. Uh, we're going to take a break from the comic book and move into real life here. Uh, if you go to the website, the-rocketman.com/slash human-fly.html, you'll find a a record from a man named kai kai michelson who is the rocket man he is a he's worked with stunt people and he designs rocket things and uh he says in 1977 i was contracted to build a rocket powered motorcycle capable of jumping over 27 buses the jump was to take place in the montreal olympic stadium as a halftime show for a concert featuring (laughs) gloria Gaynor and a number of other disco stars of the 70s The Daredevil rider was Rick Rojat, otherwise known as the Human Fly. At the time, Evil Knievel held the record of 13 buses, and Rick wanted to beat it badly. From the moment I met this guy, I was convinced he was an accident looking for a place to happen, especially when he told me he wanted to attempt 36 buses. I managed to convince him otherwise when we discussed the fact that in order to do something that remarkable, he'd have to hit the ramp at well over 100 miles per hour and continue to burn the rocket a couple more seconds after takeoff. I explained that it was definitely possible, but the fact remained that acceleration of that magnitude in such a small area would launch him headfirst through the concrete pillar at the opposite end of the arena that conversation resulted in his finally accepting the challenge for 27 instead he'd have to travel 80 miles per hour and it wasn't that there wouldn't be a crash for i was certain there would be it was just a matter of how bad it would be by the time he reached our nets and a huge airbag we'd have set up as we prepared for the stunt, it soon became obvious that one of the biggest challenges we faced was the space constraint in the arena. There was no room to accelerate to the speed required, so I came up with a plan. I'd build a rocket-powered motorcycle that would sit right at the bottom of the ramp instead of making the usual fast and furious approach. All the fly would have to do is get on, wave to the crowd, press the button, say a quick prayer, and hang on for dear life. Uh, so then, I mean, I'm mean, i not going to read the whole thing, but... Um, They set things up and then uh, this Kai arrives and says, much to our surprise, we could clearly see that the blueprints for both the jump and the receiving ramps were obviously not adhered to as there were major flaws in both of them. The jump ramp was much too steep, which would cause the rocket bike to come off at the wrong angle and stall. I was even more concerned about the receiving ramp, though, as the last 10 buses were supposed to be covered by plywood extending to the ramp. What we found instead was a plywood ramp that was about six feet above the buses with exposed steel cross members. I told the promoters that their contractors or whoever it was that built these things obviously didn't follow the blueprints we provided. And I was not going to fuel up the rocket bike until major changes were made to the receiving ramp. I won't go into a lot of detail here, but it did turn into a major ordeal by the time we were we did our last safety inspection, which forced the showtime to change quite a bit. And he goes on to the arrival of human fly to the ramp. He took center stage in full costume. The crowd went absolutely wild. I stood in awe as he hopped on the motorcycle, waved to the crowd, looked over at me, gave the thumbs up, turned on the safety switch and slowly opened the throttle. The rocket bites bike started up the ramp slowly at first. And then the human fly pinned the throttle wide open. The cloud of smoke was a sight to behold in the nearly pitch dark arena. The superheated steam shot out of the back as the bike climbed up the ramp and instead of launching forward into the air, went much higher than it should have and nearly straight up. Because of the wrong angle, it stalled when he let off the throttle and the rear end dropped, nearly arching the bike completely backwards as it hit the receiving ramp hard before then crashing down on him. My heart just pounded as I stood there, witnessing the crash of all crash landings right before my eyes, and a hush fell over the crowd as we all feared the worst. It looked like nobody could have possibly survived such a crash landing. We were soon relieved when we realized that he actually was okay. He'd survived the crash, and he'd done it. He had broken evil's record, but not without paying the price. He waved to the crowd as he was carried off on a stretcher, suffering a broken ankle and a couple of other injuries. <laughs> now, if you want to hear more details about this story, just buy me a Diet Coke the next time you see me and I'll be happy to share one of the most bizarre events of my life with you. So there's a bit of the real story. There's more at that website. Again, that's rocket-man.com. But um yeah, now, that's not all the research I did. That's from when I was just doing prep at the beginning to find out more about who this real guy was. You know, it's like watching the movie just to know what I'm expecting when I start reading the comics. Let's get back to the fake story. Uh, back in the bus, The Fly, this is, again, caption boxes. The Fly sings softly to himself while beneath the famous arch in the city of St. Louis, we find Willie Silver. And so now we're with Willie Silver. And he's also going through a crisis. He is supposed to play a concert while Human Fly does his stunt at the arch. And he's afraid because every time he's played his hit song, Death of a Superstar, bad things happen. You know, things fall down, almost killing him we're now in classic week to week hour long prime time 70s 80s adventure drama uh so he feels like there's a curse on him like he's going to die just like the rock star in his song but he agrees to do the song because his road manager is forcing him to and after he agrees he just says to his bandmates why do i feel like i'm going to die tonight we have two superstars facing a crisis, one who's afraid to die because of a curse. The other is afraid to die because of a failure. But the one death is more metaphorical that is being feared. And the other one is very literal that is being feared. Now we also find out that not only does the road manager want Willie to play death of a superstar, um, Human Fly also wants him to play Death of a Superstar, and he reveals to his friends he's asked Willie to play the song. And everyone's like, what's going on? Why would you do that? That's really morbid. But Fly says, no, 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 no. It's a song of hope, of rebirth, because he's, he's going to try and do the stunt, you know. And his friends discuss, does he think he's going to die? And, and then one of them says, no, he's just trying to learn to live with himself again after dying in Montreal. So the stunt is he's going to drive a motorcycle up and over the St. Louis arch. And so now we're getting into the moment of truth. You know, there is no bad guy. The Well, there is a bad guy. But the, the the bad guy that Human Fly must overcome is his own self-doubt, his own self-loathing. Then there's also the bad guy who literally wants to kill Willie Silverbeard. <laughs> to get insurance money yeah it's the road manager in case you hadn't figured out who was causing all those accidents and stuff before um and then we also have harmony white who has to overcome her own uh personal inner demon and also her own physical actual demon that's comes in the form of her boss and so with these three different things happening side by side, simultaneously in our climax, we have the band and they're playing or they're kind of announcing what's going on while they're playing in between songs or something, because then human fly, he is riding, and harmony white. She is reporting band playing human fly, riding, harmony, white reporting and all three dealing with their own personal crisis, their own personal demons, their own personal problems their own personal fears that they have to overcome willie silver he doesn't fear death anymore he's overcome it after seeing the fly's example he's gonna play his song human fly he's overcome his fear of failure and he's proven that there's hope because he is someone who walked away from death and he'll he'll never fear failure again and harmony white summons up the courage to overcome her fear of her boss by just quitting her job, uh, and this is here's our quotes that we get from from our three characters. Harmony White in overcoming her fear, she says, "Mr. Braden, you obviously didn't listen before. I don't work for you anymore. You can take your job, and stuff it." I mean, that's a song right there, if I ever heard one. Take this job and stuff it. You didn't listen before. I don't work for you anymore. You can take your job. And stuff it. Human Fly, he says, I did it! Do you hear me, world? I live again. I've proven my message is real. Your faith in me has healed me. I believe in myself once more. Thank you. And he cries, tears of joy. And meanwhile, Willie Silver, he's changing the words to Death of a Superstar. Now, we don't know what the original words were. We don't know what the new words were. But he's changing them. And he turns around and says to his bandmates, he did it! Lads, for all of us, let's give him a song to thank him for giving us something to believe in Yarrr! uh that's right the There's some sort of electrical charge in a device that's been attached to his guitar that is pressed against his flesh, and human fly sees the surge of electricity surge into Willie's body, and he drives his his uh motorcycle up onto the stage and harmony white sees a flash from the hands of the road manager who's trying to collect on that insurance i told you about and harmony harmony reveals the manager did the deed meanwhile willie is laying dying on the stage he's burned really badly um human fly has pulled the the cord that was causing this kind of electrical feedback or something into uh willie's body but willie falls to the ground his hands are kind of frozen up as if they've you know the muscles have been clenched there and i'm sorry i'm laughing about this this really isn't meant to be funny obviously it's not meant to be funny it wasn't written to be funny it's kind of funny uh he's laying there And he says to Human Fly, he says, I'm done for. But my music means so much to people. Don't let my music die, okay? And Human Fly says, okay, Willie, I promise. And so what does Human Fly do? Is he going to try and help Willie's music not die by helping maybe Willie not die? You know, calling an ambulance or giving CPR or rushing Willie to his bus to take him to the hospital personally. I mean, does he step up and act like a hero by being proactive and, and doing something to rescue this man who lies dying in his arms? No. What does he do? He takes Willie's guitar, He goes to the mic. Willie is dying on the stage behind him as he steps to the mic. It says, ladies and gentlemen for Willie silver, for all of us, I'd like to sing "Birth of a Superstar." I mean, what in the world? What? What is? What did I just read? I mean, I love Bill Mantlo. I I love his writing. Sometimes it's not great. Sometimes it's one of those. Oh, he just just let his mind just you know vomit onto the page and and here's the story i needed to come up with something in a week and here's what i came up with today because i waited until the last minute to to write my 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 script and and sometimes you look at it and it's so bad it's good and sometimes you look at it and it's just not great and then there's gems true gems there's true brilliance and genius it's not in some of the stuff we're reading here with human fly but it's there this is not one of those i i feel like i feel like he was kind of forced into a corner on this one because this isn't the usual brand of human fly blandness uh this goes beyond uh into some some of the there was something like this you know early on with some of those issues but this one oh my goodness oh my goodness <laughs> human fly is standing there and he has been written to be so self-obsessed or self-consumed that he does this he turns a man's death which is still happening still occurring behind him on the stage in front of a live audience and he has turned it into a moment where he has rewritten the man's song not into some sort of you know candle in the wind kind of thing where it was about you know marilyn monroe and now it's about princess die you know he's not turning the death of a superstar and rewriting the end of the song so it is literally about willie's uh silver no 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 he has rewritten the man's song into a metaphor for human fly conquering his own psychological crisis (laughs) and part of me wonders if bill mantlow is actually making a statement about the actual human fly you know that he's so self-obsessed self-absorbed i feel like he had to write this story i mean uh, then because we get this caption at the end it says the the montreal stunt took place on october 7 1977 as depicted the human fly stuntman extraordinaire will soon become a recording artist as well now there's no letters page which is where I expected the announcement for the human fly, you know, about his next step in his future to be, no, this was the announcement. He's they've got him standing on the stage in, in a, you know, two thirds size panel. And underneath it is this announcement. He's going to be a recording star very, very soon. So here's the thing. I get to this point and I had to know more. Where did this come from? so i did some research i mean i did real legit research research that i couldn't have done without the internet it just wouldn't have been possible to do to find the things that i found So here's a little bit of the timeline may 31st 1977 that's the on sale date for issue number one october 7 that's the jump 1977 the montreal gazette october 11 1977 has an article about the human fly and his reaction to that Montreal stunt. Uh, it, it says the the 29-year-old stuntman was brokenhearted at the Montreal turnout for the stunt. <laughs> he actually says Canadians just aren't ready for spectacular events. He, he says uh, he's going to repeat the same jump on the same motorcycle next year in California where quote the public seems to appreciate the importance of events like this and the fact that a man is risking his life now we also find out there were only 1500 people in that stadium that seated 80,000 people uh the article mentions that the spectators were coming and it was an open top stadium and they were shivering in the stadium the fly was in his dressing room crying it says the fly wept in his dressing room and um appealing with radio to radio stations to announce that attendance to the show which did cost 9 dollars was now free and he was waiting as uh, the the manager said to the the, the people writing the article and the reporter, I guess the the person who wrote the article, although otherwise known as the reporter, he said that um that he was waiting in, in vain for seats to fill up so that was october 11th 1977 and i found other articles that were kind of repeating the same thing and there were some articles just talking about how foolish the human fly was what a stupid stunt man he was for even trying to do this kind of thing we had the article that i read from uh kai michelson that's actually i think it's from 2006 or 2005 that he wrote that reflection back on that and he kind of gives the idea that he thinks human fly is kind of an idiot uh okay so October nineteen seventy-seven that article was written october 7th was the jump october 4th or october april 4th 1978 when this issue came out making the announcement that he wanted to be a recording star and kind of dealing with the aftermath of that event but the montreal gazette again in june uh 1979 has an article with an interview with david levine who was the promoter was the the promoter who worked with the human fly and who was actually on the clip that i saw the segment that i saw from that talk show and he says he's he's a music uh, manager as well he says i'm working on putting together a rock band starring the human fly now this is 1979 that he's saying that he basically says that he's not going to promote any more stunts after what happened with the bus. That he he's not interested in promoting any more stunts with the Human Fly. But um, then a friend of the Human Fly, Joe Ramasiri, Ramasiri, he they're they're also talking about this decision. He says the Fly spent the last year in New York fooling around with musicians. And the Human Fly himself was not available for comment, but he's serious about becoming a music star. Now, I looked the soundtrack i wanted to listen to when i was reading this through the second time i was hoping to find something an album something featuring the human fly i couldn't find anything they i don't think they ever did this and other than this article in 1979 after the failure at montreal he actually did disappear Human fly was wore a mask the whole time. And so he just fell out of uh, the public conscious. He didn't do any more TV appearances. He didn't do any more stunts that I can tell. Anyway, he was done. The comic was not done, but he was done Uh, until this 1979 article where he's, he's announcing that he's going to come out and become a a recording star and be a part of this rock band starring or promoted by David Levine, who also promoted the, the, disco stars who were actually singing at the the stunt so yeah that's more than you wanted to know about the human fly and if i've given you more than i than you wanted to know i am glad to have done it if there's more that you want to know than i'm able to give there's not much more i can do other than say you know you can do some searches and stuff but um i've given you as much as i can give you uh, about the human fly and probably about as much as I want to give you. I don't think I want to go any deeper into this, but this just made me scratch my head. It made me I I reacted out loud when I read that last page. It's just wait a minute. He's dying behind you. And then it's no, this is actually the announcement for his recording. This is 1978. Uh you know, this hit the stands in in 1978 uh or a year before uh they they made the announcement in the newspaper so this is something they were planning to do this is part of the stunt you know this is part of the um the public relations run with this character and yeah so anyway uh oh one last thing i guess i got my note here um are we in space for this issue and i just uh you know cuz we had the theme of space that i said i was going to figure out how a way to shoehorn to say you know this is the through line for all these comics water was last time space this time are we in space in this issue no but there are some stars so there you have it superstars and there is out in outer space there is space between the stars godzilla crossed that space and here on the stage we have space between the stars and that space is a serious lack of self awareness he's self-absorbed he's self-deluded but he is not self-aware as he's standing there the space between him playing the guitar and that other guy (laughs) willie silver dying behind him next we're going to talk about man from atlantis number six so i'll see you on the flip side for that and until next time, all I have to say is thank you for listening and putting up with human fly and Godspeed. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. Next episode, in a prehistoric sea, surrounded by a lost hidden land, Mark Harris is trapped at the mercy of Scorba. Battle for the behemoth. Man from Atlantis, issue number six.
1: Okay, doing the new promo, do not say take the dare. Do not say take the dare. Okay, go. Hello, darling. Nice to see ya. It's me, J. David Weeder, the Conway Twitty of podcasting. But please, call me Dave. I host a show called Dave's Daredevil Podcast, where I talk about Marvel's Man Without Fear and Netflix superstar Daredevil. But I'm here to tell you that things have changed. Don't worry, I've still got more hornhead goodness than you can shake a billy club at and a desperado love for Daredevil. And episodes of the show still come out each and every Sunday. But now, Dave's Daredevil Podcast is part of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. That's right, the show can now be found at twotruefreaks.com, home of Earth's Mightiest Podcasts. And if you haven't tried the show before, I see the want to in your eyes. So take the time to check out Dave's Daredevil Podcast, because sometimes you need a podcaster with a slow hand. Dave's Daredevil Podcast, every Sunday at Two True Freaks. Dot .com. Take the dare. I have no self-control.